If you would turn to me to Matthew, the uh, fifth chapter, and um, as we look at Matthew, the fifth chapter, let me just kind of scroll down here to get to it. I think that it's, I think it's very important that we begin to understand some things as far as the Lord is concerned. Uh, this will be a session and and trust me, I have a reason for going at this the way I'm uh, at it. And my, my prayer is that the results of it is we will understand why Jesus is talking the way he's talking to the believers. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for this time for the saints of God. And thank you for our time together. Thank you for the insights. Help me to clearly clearly share with the saints what this is all about. You are a faithful God, worthy of all the praise, honor, and glory that is due your holy name. So, Lord, help us to um, see what it has to say. Help us to make the necessary adjustments in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints say, amen. amen. As we uh, go through this um, time together, we, I want to keep that picture in your mind. This is where we're going. <laughs> don't ever lose that picture. I don't care what people say. I don't care how, uh, how beautiful other people have as far as homes and wherever it is. Uh, understand, when you, when you see everything that you see, everything you see, just put this word on it, temporal. <laughs> it's not going to stay here. This is eternal. And so what the Lord is doing now is he's, he's preparing the saints of God. He's preparing the people because uh, he's, Jesus Christ is coming on the scene and he's the new sheriff in town. And the new sheriff in town has some things to say that I think that we need to understand. So bear with me. We're in chapter 5. And you say, well, Pastor, you start off with chapter 5, but we haven't gotten there yet. I know I'm just telling you ahead of time. I have to lay, I have to put the canvas here paint it for you, and then once we paint it for you, then we'll get into the two words that we want to deal with today. So just hang with me as, as we go through all of this, okay? Now, as we look at this whole idea of living in our new normal, living in what hour? So in part four of this, as we go through chapter five, and as we talk about living in our new normal, then we'll, we'll see that Matthew 5:48. I've gone to the end of the chapter because that's where we're on our journey to. The end of the chapter is what Jesus Christ is, is talking about, but he shows you before you get there everything that needs to happen in you and to you for that to, have, to, to go on. So let's read the verse together. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we'll get there. Everything in our life must have boundaries. Concerning the word of God, the law was strategically positioned in the forming of a nation. When God formed a nation, and understand something, the law was not given to Adam. It was not uh, given to Noah. It was not given to Abraham, you see. It was given to the Jews 400 years after slavery. Because you see, going all the way back to what they, they, uh, they call the uh, antediluvians before the, the, the flood, what happened 
was this. You had um, people who were speaking various languages because God confused them. Out of, that, out of these people, make a long story short, 70 nations came out of this. Okay. Out of the 70 nations that came out of this, then what happened was God chose Israel, the smallest of them all. Everybody with me so far? But although he chose them, he didn't give them the law at that point. He needed to give a law, a person who is a lawgiver. And so he had to raise up Moses to do just that. Okay. Once he raised up Moses and he delivered them out of slavery, now the law came in into their lives. That's important to keep in mind. When Christ came on the scene, he fulfilled all of the requirements of the law and satisfied God's righteous requirements for the atonement and forgiveness of sin forever. So then what Moses set up, like a, like a you, uh, what the, uh, bad Navarro, whatever case be, Moses set it up and Jesus knocked it out of the park. And so Jesus says, this is what this whole thing is about. He said, I'm not doing away with the law. We'll come back to that. But this is some of the background. And so I'll review so that those of us who have, been, have not been with us all, all the time, the recognition. And he, he started off with, there was about one, two, three blocks. The first block, he starts off with the compliments. And the compliments are this, blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. He throw out these seven things. He says, "Blessed are." He says, "Blessed are you if you you are those individuals. Blessed are you if you you're holding up all these things." He says, "Blessed in uh, the." Um, Amplified Bible says, blessed, happy, to be envied is the individual that has these things going for him. Poor in spirit, because a haughty spirit is an abomination to the Lord. Blessed are those who mourn, who permits God to literally break their hearts and then mourn over the way this world is, but yet and still stay faithful to God. Blessed are those who are meek. And get the eye out of there. Get that me, my eye. Get that out of the picture. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst at the righteousness. Because they're going to be filled. The, you know one of the things when you see a Christian going down? How do I know a Christian is going down? They begin to lack the hunger and thirst for God's word. Let me ask you. How hungry and how thirsty are you in God's word? Then we, we move on to say, blessed are the, the merciful. The merciful is that somebody did something to you <laughs> that messed up sure, sure enough. And now you have the tendency to relieve that situation and bring closure. And the Lord says, I know what people did to you. My question is, how are you responding if you're just like me? Uh, so then so when you talk about merciful, blessed are the merciful, it's not the act, but it's the victim. God always looked at the victim. He can change the act anytime he wants to. But he's looking at those of you who have been hit by something. God says, okay, you were hit. Now I'm looking at you. Forget about the person about praying the Lord. Do, no, these imprecatory uh, uh, psalms that they had in the Old Testament made, it throw, made the child be thrown against the bricks and all this. I said, all those, that stuff, throw it aside. He said, I want you to develop. He said, blessed are you. Blessed are you. 
Then he says, blessed are the pure in heart. You can't get a pure heart if you're not walking with God. You can, there's no way in the world. You can't buy it. <laughs> it's not on sale anywhere. The pure in heart. And then he says, blessed are the peacemakers. That whenever you're in a given situation, you have the presence of mind to represent Jesus Christ. And you're always in the process of bringing reconciliation or instead of throwing, uh, uh, what's that, or what type of thing they call uh, gasoline on the fire, okay? It's, it's so that when you walk into a situation, you bring a wholeness to that situation. That's what we're all about. Now, I'm going to explain that more as we go further. The reaction. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. There were two reasons given. One, for righteousness sake. Blessed are those who persecute you for righteousness sake. Then it says the other one is, for my sake. Two reasons that they're going to be persecuting you. For righteousness sake, because of who you are in Christ. And then for the mere fact that you know Jesus, you will be persecuted. I, I didn't say talked about. That's them being, being talked about and being persecuted. And, and, the, and the servant is no higher than the master. If they did Jesus in like this, what do you think he's gonna do, they're going to do to you? Okay, uh, so there's no free passes here. Don't weep. Don't be screaming for the rapture. You're gonna have to go through some things. Okay, so uh, the response: rejoice. What did he just say? Oh boy, what is it? Rejoice. One more time. I want that to get down in your soul. When these things happen to you, folks are gonna see how you're acting, and you, they said, "I want you to rejoice." And be exceedingly glad. See, and boy, to have that type of love, to have that type of thing working in into your life. For they so, uh, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The revelation, our position, the light. All this is review. You are the light of the world. A city is set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus Christ says, first, I'm telling you, you're blessed. See, but being blessed, they're going to be messing with you. But as they mess with you, here's what I want you to do. The more they mess with you, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and not pat you on the back, but do what? Glorify your father in heaven. It goes back to daddy. Amen. So, so I think it's so important that we uh, keep that in mind as we talk about the revelation, our position, the light, and the whole thing that you are the light of the world. Well, we move further then. Our understanding Christ's purpose. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or tittle will be uh, by no means passed from the law 
till it's all fulfilled. That's, that's a Hebrews, when you talk about a jot, one of the uh, writings in the Hebrews is a jot, and then a, a, a tittle. It says, not one jot, nor tittle. It says, I come to fulfill the law. So, so far, again, this is the canvas that we're going to continue to paint on. But Jesus Christ, he blessed. He said, you're going to be persecuted. He says, I didn't come to do away with the law. Okay, everybody with me so far? Great. Praise the Lord. Then hang with me. It's, it's, so it's the end of the review. Now, let's move into today. You are what? I want you to, I want you to, I want that to sink down in your soul. Repeat that to me. I am one of a kind. You're never, there's no one that will ever replace you. It's almost, I just heard one of my brother was giving the illustration of it. He was saying that you go in uh, and, and the ladies are looking at all of these dresses or men looking at suits. And you see all of these dresses, but all of a sudden there's one that stands out above all of the others. And you say, I want that one. Jesus Christ put it another way, the pearl of great price. You are that pearl of great price. Now, I want you to understand that because where there's value, there's also responsibility. Everybody with me so far? So, so watch, watch this. Thinking it through. Why did Jesus give the Beatitudes at the beginning of the ministry? In our makeup, there are six components that are always at work. And again, I want to kind of stick with you again. Here we go. First, you have our seer, our eyes visualizing the situation. Our hearer, our ears receiving the information. Our thinker, our mind processing the information. Our feeler, our emotions responding to the information. Our talker, the words verbalizing our thoughts. So then we have lastly, lastly I hope you, those in the back can see it, our doer, the physical response, our seer, our hearer, our thinker, our feeler, our talker, our doer. These are the things that happens in us. We, that's why we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God had made you with the feeler, thinker, uh, and all of the whole thing, all in one, all in one. Now, how it's done, how it works out in your life will depend on how, now when the Lord says, um, blessed are the pure in heart, or rejoice and be exceedingly glad, how would my, when I walk, walk through this, my seer, hear, thinker, feeler, talker, doer, when someone do me in, how do I process that? How do I respond to that? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the Lord is saying, now I'm going to lay some words on you. But before we do, um, and I hope I did this. Oh, probably have to click if I look like my battery's acting up. Click that next one there. Got it, Brandon? Click that next one. Seems like this wants to act up a little bit. Some reason this is uh, it's not holding up. Let's get in there and make that straight. 
one of the reasons that I want this because when you visualize it, you can write it down. It's just me just talking. I can talk through these points. I want you to, but there's some things that I really want to, that you um, begin to, here we go. <laughs> That's a German word. Uh, it's a German word like you say, Gut Morgen, or good morning. This, this is a German word that says, Blutengarten. What is it? This, this Blutenbarten is, is, a, is a German word that uh, the person that really used it was the person uh, Adolf Hitler. And uh, Adolf Hitler, the word Blutenbarten means this, blood and soul. It's all in the blood and it's all in the soul. And he got the people to buy into it to a point where they would say, Hi Hitler! They would feel a thinker and the whole thing was, Hi Hitler! The whole thing is this, when you have the gluten button, and, and just taking that term, that thought, when it's deep down in your soul, it's hard to erase something like that. There's a reason why. Now, I want to uh, talk about it. First, I'll, uh, I'll put these up. Our public position, our private position, and then when it comes down to our core values. Now, here's how it works. It's something that we're quite familiar with. When we talk about racism, publicly we say, it's down, I don't like it, la 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 la. That's in the public. In our private, we say, I don't like it, and um, I'd rather not talk about it. Okay. But in our core values, in our very soul, somewhere there, saints of God, there are some things that we see situations then you go beyond the public, beyond the private, down to what you think every time you see it. And the Lord is saying, here are the subjects that I want to bring that deals with the gluten garden. I want to deal, and so these words that I'm coming up, he says, and as, as I said, only a, a couple of words this morning. The words that I'm dealing now, as I deal with the very soul, I want you to understand something that I didn't come just to tell you about the law. The law says thou shalt not commit adultery. Say, I'm going to take you deeper. I'm going to get to the gluten button. I'm getting to where it really is. I'm getting to where the, the thoughts and the intents. Remember what the God's word is? It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing the son of the soul and spirit and the joints and morals and the discern of, of the thoughts and, and intents of the heart. Well, it says, of the heart. So the whole idea is the thoughts and intents of the heart. So then God's word gets down and start cutting. Here's where Jesus Christ now start cutting. He started off with blessed are. He said, blessed are you when you're persecuted. And now he says, now let's get to the gluten cotton. He says, consider this. Wherever there is a major development in developing, develop, uh, dealing with the destiny of man, there was an introduction of a necessary principles uh, and rules. In the information of, um, in the formation, form, formulation of a divine appointed nation, the law of Moses was given and the law addressed, conducted the sin, but was not able to forgive sins. The mercy and grace through Christ identified, addressed, and provided forgiveness of sin and a new relationship with God. And so the Lord says, now because I'm doing this, since it's going to, with this new order, 
and you have a new relationship with God, he says, these things are non-negotiable. I better not find it in my family. Not if you're hanging out with me. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Says these things should not be. And so I think it's important to see this. <clears throat> the requirements, verses 13 to uh, 48. Jesus was careful to address seven significant and non-negotiable things. He used a couple of phrases to emphasize his words. The first one was, you have heard. The next one was, but I say to you. You've heard this, uh-huh, but I, but here's what I'm telling you. Every time you keep saying, every time he hits the subject, you have heard. I said, but wait a minute, here's what I'm telling you. When you think about this whole thing about homosexuality and everything else, you have heard. But the Lord says, but I tell you, in the word, here's how it's going to happen. When you talk about all of the issues in life, God says, you have heard. But I tell you. So then, let me just put them up for you. Uh, murder, destroying life that can only be done by, uh, by God. Adultery, a violation of God's divine purpose, plan, and order. Marriage is sacred and binding. These are the ones he's beginning to lay out to him now. Forbidding oaths. Five, going the second mile. Loving your enemies. Didn't say your friends. Loving your enemies, the haters. Then achieving spiritual maturity. These are the, these are the seven things. Again, we're not going to try to get try to get through the seven things. Let's try to at least get to the, the first two. Ready? Here we go. The first one is murder, destroying a life that can only be given by God. So as we look at the scripture, it says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. You have heard. But notice what he says. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause, shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says uh, to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And the Lord says, if you use your mouth, says, you talk about somebody murdering something the one on the street and you murdering folks with your mouth, the Lord says, I'm getting, let's get to the gluten bottom of this whole thing. Let me get to the core of this whole thing. You are not permitted to do that, not in my kingdom. Satan does it, but not you. You're not permitted to do it. You having problems with that? Yeah. Then, then come to the Lord. He'll deal with you, but get over it. Here, it's a new sheriff in town. Here's how it's going to run. Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, then he says, then you're supposed to leave that gift, okay? Thinking it through, as the followers of Christ, murder is never an option to consider. Murder is an, is an hostile, a hostile and irreversible act of the will. Murder destroys all possibility of a possible a positive resolution in uh, reconciliation. 
Murder is driven by the flesh, bored of any mercy or forgiveness. Murder is a deliberate decision to satisfy the desire of the flesh. Murder is totally devoid of love, and it conflicts with the will of God. Remember, we are to uh, uh, love our enemies. Murder has no place in the kingdom of God. I just want to break it out to you. So when we talk, when we talk about this whole idea of murder, it says, hey, if you think about, well, I wish he was dead, the Lord says, stop it. For you to wish that person is dead means that they have lost all opportunities to be with me. And you don't know my plans for them. So don't shorten their lives when I'm giving you day by day grace and mercy. Stop it. Stop it. And the, and the question is, how did you get to the point where you want somebody dead in the first place? What was in the Old Testament, the Lord says, not so in the New Testament. The imprecatory prayers of the Old Testament, God says, is over in the New Testament. Love your enemies. Murder is on God's judgment list. Let's go on. Consider this. Cain murdered his brother, Abel, and had no regrets concerning his actions. He was jealous that God did not receive his offering, but he received Abel's offering. But Abel obeyed God. But Cain thought that he would just get a little vegetables and things together and say, here. <laughs> uh -uh. If you do right, he says to him in uh, Genesis uh, 4, 8, I think it is. He says, if you do right, he says, uh, everything will be fine. But sin is at the door. And his fellow thinker you know, was in place, and his core was, I'm not going to obey God. You know, that's the thing that messes up marriages. You say, well, this person did this, and this person, no, 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 no. Let's get to the core of it. Will you obey God, yes or no? Well, you say, yes or no. We'll get up to that a little bit later. The DNA of sin is to destroy life. And so the Lord says, don't murder. That's a non-negotiable item. Don't murder. And then many of you say, well, I don't have a gun. I don't have a knife. And the Lord says, hold on, don't you understand? It's not what you have in your hand. It's what you have in your head and in your heart. And it says, the Lord says, I'm not looking at what's in your hand. I'm looking at what caused you to take that hand to pull that trigger or to stab someone. I want to deal with you deep down in your soul. Number two, been very patient, adultery. The second thing he says, if you're part of the blessed group, these things should, be not, should not be numbered among you. Violation of God's divine purpose, plan, and order. We talk about adultery. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Let's read that, that, that verse together, next to 28. Ready? But I say to you, one more time, but one more time, I like that. But I say to you that whosoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
He's gone pop, he has gone past the public, past the private, into the very soul, the gluten bottom. And he goes there, and there in his soul, he entertains this thing. He says, I say to you, I'm going where the fire is, not the smoke. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish uh, than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Then if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, you start scratching his head. No, I'm boy, you know, I wonder... Look at the words just a little bit closer, okay? Let's look at the words a little bit closer. It's for Paul's station identification. Notice what it says. If your right eye. Notice he didn't say your eyes. What did he say? Remember when we talked about the, the seer, the, the feeler, thinker, you know? So if your right eye, okay? It says, if your right eye causes you sin, pluck it out. He deals with the things you see. The next thing he, he talks about is if your right hand, each time is what? Right? Right. He says your right hand, now it's not only what you see, it's what you do. He says you should take it so seriously when it comes down to walking with God that you should pluck it out. Not literally now, <laughs> but he's looking at the fact that you should be that serious about obeying God and living for the Lord. Everybody with me so far? So he said, listen, when we talk about adultery, I'm getting down to your very thoughts. So when we talk about this whole idea of pornography and the, the, the whole, that whole scenario of, 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 of pornography and how it actually fries the brain. And it's not just male sensitive. It's male and female that's dealing with this whole thing of pornography. And once it starts start taking you down a path where the person you are desiring, it, um, it, uh, you really don't care as long as you satisfy the flesh. Adultery is an outward expression of an inward desire that is driven by the gratification of the flesh. Let me break it down. Adultery is designed to destroy a God-honoring relationship with infidelity and self-serving gratification regardless of the consequences. Adultery is spiritually and deliberately a deliberate act of turning away from God's established pattern and principle in fulfilling one's personal agenda. Have you noticed it's a selfish thing? The flesh, all the way down, personal agenda, that's what the adultery is. Let's give a, a more. Adultery, an act that has the potential of affecting generations. Let me break it down. Adultery bear these distinctives. What's the first one? It starts off with temporary, short-lived uh, pleasure. And it seems like you're getting away with it. <laughs> and that's, that's what sin does. It's the bait. Remember we talked about the hook, the look, the book, and the took. We find that the next thing he does, he take a look at that, and boy, you desire it. And that's what uh, James is talking about, the whole idea. Is don't blame God when you fall into temptation. See, the first thing is it goes through the eye gate. The next one, what is it? 
condemnation. Not only of your thoughts, but on the inside, but the thoughts in, uh, of uh, people rebelling on the outside. The next one, guilt. Next one, shame. Next one, you found out. I run to a situation where talking to couples, and um, in, in this case, again, it could be man or woman, but it just happened to be the wife. The, the wife is devastated, and the husband was saying, "What well, I said, I was sorry. I said, you said you were sorry. I said, let me ask you a question. Did God convict you and you told your wife, or were you caught? He said, uh, I was caught. I said, so, which means that if you were not caught, you would have continued doing what you wanted. Then your sorry don't mean a thing. See what, see what adultery have a tendency to make excuses until they're caught. And, and so I begin to, to explain to, to them all the things that happened to the person that had to go through the cycle, all of, all of that cycle that they had to go through. Then I said, and then the person who forgives you, the person has to forgive you of that. And then go through what God's going to take you through. Be not deceived. God is not marked. Whatsoever man sowed, that shall he also reap. Once you forgive that person, now that person, your wife, had to go through what God's going to do to you. And you think sorry is enough? Do you think those moments of adultery? But you know what? Satan don't show you the whole picture. He just show you the pleasure. The, the, the thinker, the seer and the thinker, oh boy, that sounds good, it looks good. But the moment you do it, they say, oh, you're in trouble now. And you're supposed to be a Christian. You may as well leave church. God, God's going to forgive you. God will not forgive you. Matter of fact, you're going to hell. He'll attack your, your, your thoughts of salvation. He'll attack, he'll attack everything. All because, and the Lord says, we can do it real easy. Let's make it easy. Don't commit adultery. In other words, whoever you're looking at, say, that's not mine. And keep walking. And you'll be just fine. I, I guarantee you, you'll be just fine. Devastating results. Distrust. Dishonor. Punishment and death. Jesus made it, it made it clear that this devastation and destruction starts with the eye gate. He says, whosoever, he says, listen, they told you thou shalt not commit adultery. He says, I'm going to take it right to the core, to the eye gate. It's what you deliberately was looking at and pondering on. It says, you started adultery when you walked away from me to satisfy your flesh. Says, so therefore, when you did the adultery, now not only have you dishonored the Lord, gave Satan a chance to accuse you, messing up a family in generations, see, says, now I'm going to really hold you accountable. The Lord is serious about this thing, huh? Question, how can we be holy as God, our Father? Uh-oh, let me get this back here. 
How can we be holy as God, our Father, is holy if this had not been established as a non-negotiable item? I tell you, non-negotiable. Here's what they say. I'm the new sheriff in town. I tell you. And when I tell you, I do it so it won't destroy you. I want to get you home. You're mine. You belong to me. You are one of a kind. And one of a kind does not murder. The one of a kind does not commit adultery. The one of a kind walks in the beauty of holiness before God. Been very patient. And uh, we move now to that last one. Just kind of push it there. Okay. When we talk about one last thing. Got it? Either my battery or something there. There's one thing about slides. You know. Well, okay, just a few more seconds here. Maybe we'll get it. One more time. Okay, for some reason it's not budging. Um, this one last thing that we're, we're trying, trying to, to get to you, uh, no, that's a, that's a song, uh, let's get back, back to it, uh, well, we won't hold you for 20 minutes on one last thing. <laughs> But what we do want to, to make sure is that you remember some of the things I've said. The, the longevity of the message this morning was doing all the review, and there was a Sunday in between. Um, it won't be like that next time we come together. We'll move right on. Because now we're going to deal with this. We have been dealing with the seven words. We deal with two words so far. The, the one last thing. Let's read together. Never treat the word of God as a suggestion. The consequences are tied into our response, and we will definitely reap what we sow. Uh, I, I think that that is so important um, that we understand that never take God's word as suggestions. This is not suggestions here. God is saying, just as sure as I am, these words are so. Make sure, make very sure. That when it comes down to adultery, it, it, it destroys relationships and generation. Murder, it starts in your thoughts before you even act it out. In the course of counseling, every time when couples come in, I always start with the spiritual because that's where the problem is. I'm not going to spend two hours talking about, and he said that, and then he looked at me, and, he, and, then, and then she threw a, a, a bottle at me. No, 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 no. I'm not going through all this. You're not going to mess with my house. Let's start off with something which is very simple. Let's work with this. My person is, how's your quiet time with the Lord? Yeah. Do you know Jesus Christ? Tell me how you come to know Christ. If you don't have it settled in the spiritual, then what do you expect in the physical? And so as we look at the Beatitudes, beautiful attitudes is re reflective of beautiful people because you're one of a kind. And as we close this morning, 
my, my prayer is that if you found yourself when it comes down to this word murder, uh, that there's some things that you, you have a blacklist of what people have done to you and all these other things, get rid of it. Tear it up. Jesus Christ said, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will my Father forgive you. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the saints of God. Everyone knows exactly where they are, what they need to be confronted with and, and deal with. Through the seer, the hearer, the, the thinker, the feeler, they, they know down in their soul where they are and where they need to be, each one of us. So help us keep it real and help us, Lord, to understand that you are not concerned about the songs that come from our lips but the sincerity that comes from our hearts. And help us, Lord, to live in a way that will always make you look good. So I pray for each one of the saints of God, all, everyone here in this building, that we'd start making whatever adjustments that's needed, that when men see how we're living and see our good works, that we won't be patted, uh, patted on the back, but you will be glorified. Help us to live in that way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said.